Most people go to the same old job every day. Doing the same things every day. Barely getting by. But it doesn't have to be that way. This is the real path to BYOB. Be your own boss. Change your life through real estate. On this show, we'll have interviews and inspiration from people who've made it, bringing you real-life stories to help you chart your own path to BYOB. This is the real path to BYOB. Be your own boss. And now, here's your host, Man Sachapuri. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Real Path to BYOB, the show that aims to inspire you to achieve financial freedom and be your own boss. I'm your host, Mansa Chepuri, and our guest for today's episode is Melissa Johnson. Melissa Johnson has been flipping houses in San Antonio, Texas since 2003, growing and expanding the business into a thriving real estate investment operation. With close to a thousand flips under her belt, she has also built a portfolio of rental properties and real estate notes while raising five children. She provides coaching, support, and education for other high-level real estate investors nationwide. She enjoys giving back to the REI community by hosting the E3 podcast for women and the more, which is Moms of Real Estate podcast, as well as running the San Antonio Investor Meetup Group. As an active member of the Forbes Council on Real Estate and National Association of Women Business Owners, she is dedicated to the success and empowerment of women in business. Welcome, Melissa. So excited and honored to have you on my show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for us to get to chat again. Me too. Uh, last time was just, it was just so in the zone. Uh, I, I feel great to be connected back with you again and learn more about how you got started with real estate and everything that you learned on the way and more on what you do now. So can you like get started by sharing with us when did real estate enter into your life? What was your career prior to that? So prior to real estate, um, which was never really on my, in my life plan, mm-hmm. <laughs> just kind of something that I stumbled into, um, I had a lot of different jobs, mostly admin type jobs. I was a bookkeeper in a lot of different companies. Um, I helped start up a couple of companies, um, which was really fun. Um, I feel like I have a thing for startups kind of, so that's okay, um, okay. been interesting. Is it the energy but- like the excitement? What about startup? Yeah, I think, you know, I've discovered about myself over the past year that I really love building things. Hmm. Um, So I love that startup process, like of any business. I just love the whole, like the ideas and the energy and the creative um, aspect to all that is just, there's something exciting about starting something from scratch. Nice. I'm going to dive into that a little bit later, but I'll continue, let you continue on because I have more questions there. Yeah. So I was just working. um, The last actual job that I had before I started doing real estate was as a, um, I worked for the government. I was a government contractor Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and was doing um, work with the Air Force um, security type things and some accounting for the contracts that we had. So like it wasn't, you know, exciting or glamorous, but it was, you know, it was steady work and it was, a small company at the time. It's grown quite a bit actually since then. Um, Not a lot of women in that industry. And that's something I was talking to somebody else about the other day. Every 
in every job that I've had, I've always been in male dominated industries. I don't know what's up with that, but <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but it's really helped me. It's served me well having all that in my past, um, moving into real estate, which is, you know, very um male dominated. Right. Um, so I mean, and it doesn't bother me to be in a man's world, you know, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. So know. how did it like happen? Like you said, you started with flips in 2003, right? So what mm-hmm. was that turning point to switch to real estate and go out on your own? So what happened was um, the guy I was dating at the time who we later ended up getting married, but we were dating and his dad was doing real estate. Okay. He was a contractor for an investor. Okay. And eventually his dad got out of the contracting part of it. And he himself became an investor with that guy being his mentor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were just talking to him and just like hearing about all the things he was doing and just like, oh my God, he's got like, you know, a couple of hundred doors and he, you know, has this RV and he's just traveling around and just spending all this time with the family and saw mm-hmm. how he was with all the grandkids, just very giving and And it was like, man, he's got a really great life. Like that would be really cool to have a lifestyle like that, you know? And Mm -hmm. when you're sitting in a cubicle day after day, you know, you're, I don't know, like the way I was raised, it was all about like job security, like, go get a good job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think that's what I was doing, but it was totally unfulfilling, you know? And so I just realized there was something else out there and I wanted to know more about it. And that's really how it started and just started part-time with real estate. Um, I think I was part-time for maybe two or three years. Okay. Starting in 2003 or even prior to that? No, in 2003. That's when it started part-time. I was still working my job. I think I stopped working actually in 2007, maybe. Okay. Okay. Because we got married in 2006 and I was still working at the job during that time. So it was like three and a half years before okay. I went actually full time with real estate. Got it. And you started out with flips, like you bought homes that needed to be rehabbed and started flipping them. Did you sell them yeah. or did you keep it in your portfolio when you started it? We out? did both. We did okay. both because our mentor was, um, he was real heavily invested in owner financing properties, creating notes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was a big part of our strategy just because that was our mentor's strategy. Um, okay. But we did a lot of flips too, which he flipped also. So really it was just those two things. It was flipping or, you know, buy it, create a note, sell it, you know, on an owner finance note, and then just have that note. Okay. Um, okay. And then there came a time where we would actually like bundle some notes and sell them. So that was a good time for that back in the early 2000s. But interesting. You know, back, uh, actually, can you talk to us more on that real estate notes, which is owner financing, right? What how's the return on that and what's the risk associated? And you also mentioned that you sold a bunch of notes to someone else. Uh, Is that in the primary market? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So what we were doing, well, we had two strategies with that. Mm -hmm. So because we were working with a mentor, part of our mentorship sort of agreement, I guess, with him was we called it tit for tat. Mm -hmm. So we would buy a property, we would fix it up, sell it on owner financing. And then he would take that note. And then we would buy another property. The mentor would take that note. And then we would buy another property, fix it up, sell it with owner financing. And then we would keep that note. So we just did like a back and forth each thing. That was kind of how we paid for our education was by doing these deals for the mentor, which 
you know, that's not something you want to do like for a long time, but the mentor was good because we learned a lot. We self-educated a ton. Like we didn't come to him green, you know, Mm -hmm, it's like, mm -hmm. it was really just reaching out to him. Like, okay, we're in this situation. How do we handle this? We think we should do this or that. And then he would say yes or no and tell us why. So it was, it was more education that way. Just, um, learning from his, the benefit of his experience, but also a lot of teaching ourselves. Um, so that was kind of the model for that. So we would keep some of those and then we would sell some of the notes too. So the notes are typically at the market rate, right? Like, or competitive to whatever the interest rate currently is. Is that how that works? Well, here's how we would do it. We would create the notes, um, and we would wrap it mm-hmm. with our mentor, you know, cause he was also our private money lender. Okay. So okay. It's important to know too. That's why those deals were able to go the way they went because we had access to unlimited funds. Oh, to do deals. interesting. So that was a really great, like win-win situation. It's just, I felt like after a while, like yeah, more than we were. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But we would create the notes um, and then we would hold it. You you would have to hold it for a certain amount of time. They called it seasoning. So you'd have to season that note first. And then uh-huh. there were note brokers and I'm sure they're all still out there. I know people still do this, but it was really a big part of our strategy in the early 2000s. Um, you get with a note broker and say, hey, I got this note I want to sell, you know, and give them all the details about it. And then they would buy it for a percentage. So we would take a little bit of a loss in okay. the long term of it, but okay. we would get cashed out and be, you know, ready. Oh, to okay. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I, like you've done close to a thousand flips. Wow. Oh my gosh. How did you like, <laughs> that's insane amount. Like I'm just re, like reimagining that in my head, like the physical, like, you know, the time work aspect of it. That's a lot. Was it's it a lot of- like starting out and especially I think the like prior years with you when you had the full-time job and you were doing this. How did that work out? Yeah, it was tough. (laughs) It was a lot of late nights and early mornings and um, sacrificed lunch hours, you know, to go Mm -hmm, check on properties mm -hmm, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But um, I don't know. It was just, it's funny how you make things work when you want something bad enough, Mm -hmm. you know, how hard you'll work at it. So the late nights didn't really matter because we were just having fun doing what we were doing and especially if you are with like the right team or around the right set of people and you see results that's like such a great combination to just keep going that extra like put in the extra effort burn that late night candle and keep going so that's incredible so when was the turning point where you quit your job and went in full-time so that was about, I think that was like early 2007. And you like went in full-time into flipping or did you mm-hmm. incorporate any others? You just, just, was just it again with the same mentor and like your husband, spouse by then? Yeah. By then we were married. We got married in 2006. So we had already had three years of part-time flipping under our belts. And then what actually happened was kind of crazy. It was terrifying actually. It was two weeks before our wedding mm-hmm. and you know, because we work for the government, like we had to have these contracts to be renewed every few years or whatever. So our contract was up with the government. It was a big contract. It funded our whole San Antonio office Okay, and we were going to be losing a portion of that funding. So they were going to have to let people go. And so they actually let my husband, well, 
fiance, I guess at the time, let oh him my- go two weeks before our wedding. Oh my gosh. That's he got laid that off. That would have been really difficult, huh? Oh, it was terrifying. And the worst part was the his boss actually came and told me first. I'm like, don't tell. Why are you telling oh me? Oh, my gosh. You me the bear of the bad news. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I bet, I bet that uh, whole incident would have been like an impression in your mind to this date. Like, you know, just the scene as is. That, that, yeah, that I was freaking crazy. out. I was freaking I was nervous. Like, but, you know, he was very calm about it. He's like, you know what? This is what I needed. I needed that push to do this full time. You know, we were just kind of mm. clinging to the jobs because it was security. Right. And, you know, it's hard to let go of that security blanket sometimes. But yeah, yeah. For you sure. know, he got laid off and then I stayed working there because I'm like, okay, well, we need to just like, we still need insurance. You know, I'm being yeah. like practical. You know, we have kids, we need insurance. Like, I can't be just quitting my job. And, I mean, it was probably like, we got married in September of 2006. And I think I was out of there by like March of 2007. Okay. Because I'm just like, I'm looking at him every day. I'm getting up, you know, at the crack of dawn and driving in the traffic to work every day. Mm. And you see, he's having fun doing what he wants. Coffee, taking his time. I'm just like, this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be at home too. So finally I said, "Uh, you know, I think I need to. I think I need to be here with you. I think you need help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I finally had to quit too. It was just too much. Got it. So ever since you've been working for yourself after? Ever since. Yep. So it's been 18 years now. Nice. Nice. Wow. What an incredible journey. What all did you do in these years? Uh, was it the flipping or I, I know like now you coach and mentor, right? Like mm-hmm. what kind of real estate strategy did you just keep going with flipping? For the most part, like flipping has always been a big part of the business okay. um, and creating the notes. And then we were buying rental properties as well. So that okay. was kind of part of our strategy. And then I think it was probably around 2014 or 15. We really got into wholesaling. Okay. And okay. once I got into wholesaling, I was like, I freaking love this. Like oh. it's so less work than flipping houses. You don't have to deal with the contractors. Yeah. Yeah. All this other stuff. And like. I mean, we were doing some really great deals and we had a team by that point that I was running. So that made it a lot easier to do more. So at that point, volume really increased for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And we were able to do more deals and better deals. And once I kind of saw how that could work, I'm like, that's where I really want to focus you know, cause there came a point where, um, like the whole conversation in the REI world was like, you got to grow, you got to scale, you know, you got to uh-huh. hire a massive team and do like hundreds of deals a year. And I'm like, you know, I went and I thought, oh, that's what I need to do. And so I had gone to this mastermind and they, that's all anyone was talking about, mm-hmm, put up mm-hmm. their numbers. And so, you know, and I'm sitting there like with my little team of like five people, you know, and, and mm-hmm. looking at people in this mastermind, putting up all these like crazy numbers. But what I realized was when you got down to like the profits, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my numbers were better than theirs oh. with a smaller team okay. and way less expenses, way less overhead. Like everything was just some, like, it kind of made me think, you know, like, okay, maybe I don't need to grow and scale as much as I think I do. Maybe the the real thing here is to keep it small, keep it efficient, keep it lean mm. and just work hard on having better systems and processes in place 
mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. you know more high quality deals so that we don't have to do as many of them. Okay. Okay. Got it. So that was like transformational. Was that with the wholesaling business side or with the flipping side of it? With all of it. Oh, you were doing both at that point. Yeah. You know, we never took flipping out of the equation, Okay. okay. but we were able to be more selective on the flips that we wanted to do. So that was nice because now that we had mastered wholesaling, Mm -hmm. it was like anything that came in that I didn't want to flip just automatically we hold, we would wholesale. Got it. So, all right. Uh, Are you primarily focused in San Antonio market or do you explore other out-of-state markets too? No, I only stay in San Antonio. And I have a lot of people ask me why. Yeah, Yeah. I would like to know as well. I mean, I mean, I've spoken to other like big uh, turnkey investors, uh, you know, doing the flips and stuff, and they are across the states. And I always personally think that it's so much harder uh, to, you know, monitor what's going on on a day-to-day basis. But people have told me it's an investment. You should look at it as an investment. But it's still hard for me to comprehend the fact that how do you take care of the day-to-day activities when you're out of state? So what was your reason to be in state? My reason was, again, to this whole like revelation that I have about being more efficient. And to me, it's like, I'm in a big market. I'm in a really good market, you know, and I know why some people go to other markets because their markets suck, Mm. you know, but we're, I'm in a really strong market. It's always been a strong market here. And I just feel like I would rather master this market, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. completely master it and be like, the queen of San Antonio, you know, real estate. Like, I love how you say that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know the whole market, like back and forth. And I think when you're, you know, going to other places and stuff, you, you, you learn a lot about it, but it's not quite the same as when it's in your own backyard, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, that was just a choice that I made. I understand why other people do it, but for me, it doesn't fit in with, um, you know, I have a core value of keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And that, being all over the country and and all these and all these moving people that doesn't feel simple to me that feels like more work even though i know if i plug the right people in and stuff it could probably work but it still mm-hmm. feels like a lot that i don't really feel like i want to take on and so why should i got it uh how about like in terms of uh, being like when you're in state or in the same city do you actually delegate stuff to your team or do you feel the need like you have to monitor at least the ones that are top on your priority and in like the critical phase of the flip how how do you handle that you know I I'm a big delegator okay okay great (laughs) yeah and you have the right people and team in place to be able to do that yeah and that makes such a difference and I think that is what allows you to run lean and efficiently is by having the right people in the right place and then setting them up for success Makes sense. Uh, For someone starting out, like, what would you say are the strengths needed to go into flipping and wholesaling? Um, The strengths needed for that? I would say, um, I'd say you have to have a good mindset to start. Mm -hmm. Critical for everything. Yeah. (laughs) can't say enough about how mentally tough you have to be to be in this game because nine times out of 10, you're getting a no in your face constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, people selling a house isn't, it's not like selling a widget, you know, it's right. It's it's an emotional decision. So you have to be prepared to deal with those emotional kind of situations. You have to be tenacious. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And you can't just give up. Like if you really want to do this, you have to stay the course if you really want to do it. And that's why I think um, knowing your why is super important. And I would highly recommend Mm -hmm. that you really understand why you're doing it. And don't just say it's for money or for, you know, Mm -hmm. financial freedom, because we all want that. But like dig deeper of what that means to you. Like if you had that, what would you do with it? And when you really dial in that why, it really helps with your mindset when you have these obstacles that get in your way or like the rough days or deals falling apart all over the place. And, you know, you can go back to why you're doing that and mm-hmm. it will, you know, inspire you and motivate you and keep you going to stay the course because too many people I see get started in this and then mm-hmm. they just, they do a couple of things. They don't have any success with it. And then they just give up. Mm. You know, so it's like, don't give up, keep pushing through, find mentors, find coaches, find online groups where you can be supported, um, continue to educate yourself, but also take action too. don't just stay in the education part of things. Like you need to do something with that knowledge. So make sure you're implementing something. Got it. Thank you so much for sharing that. that that's very inspiring. Oh, yeah. So many things there, but I hope my listeners are making some mental notes as they listen to this. <laughs> Uh, so on the topic of mentors, uh, so you said you started out with a mentor, right? Uh, how important has mentorship been? And you currently mentor women too. What what has led you to start your own mentorship program? You know, it came out of COVID. Oh, <laughs> you know? okay, okay. I, uh, it, you know, it's a pretty recent thing for me, but I've always loved, um, I've always had a special place for women in my heart. I just always, I have four daughters. So it's very strong in this house. Um, and they're all like these strong, independent, beautiful young women. Amazing. um, Very proud of, but, um, I think like, that's a big thing for me. And so I, I, I was talking to all these women in real estate and I just kept hearing this this narrative of women telling themselves like that they weren't good enough. They're not smart Mm. enough. This is a man's industry that they're not respected, that they, they just like lack this confidence Mm. um, Mm. to really go out there and do this stuff. So I really wanted to be the person for them to be their cheerleader. Like, Hey, you can do this, you know? And I was talking to all these people and it's like, wouldn't that be awesome if I could just like talk to women about their businesses all day. And that was my job. Like that would be mm. so cool. And, and you so, have proven it with your own life and experience that, Hey, yeah. it's doable. so I think that stands out too. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, you know, I started the podcast just okay. to open up the conversation with other women Okay, and that led into the coaching and, and stuff like that. And I, I just love it. I love all the women that I talk to. I love all my clients. They've all become really good friends of mine. Awesome. And That's so just, nice. It's fun. It's fun to give back. It's fun to share and to see people's successes, you know, as they go through yeah. their own journey. Makes sense. Uh, over the years, have you seen, like, in your opinion, have you seen differences in the way that men invest versus women? Do you think that's gender specific? Um, not necessarily, but I will okay. say that I have seen a lot more women in the industry over the years. When I got started, there was like hardly anybody, there were hardly any women in the business. Okay. I always, I always tell people the only person I ever knew about was Robin Thompson. 
If you don't know who that is, look her up. She's been around forever. Okay. In the realistic world, I, I don't know what yeah. her background is. Okay. Yeah. She's like an OG, like woman investor, but she was the only person I knew of. And I'm okay. like, oh, she's kind of cool. Like, look at her doing all this stuff. Cause it was all just men I was seeing, but as the years have gone by, I have noticed a lot more women getting in the industry and putting themselves out there with coaching and teaching and talking about what they're doing. I still think there's a ton of space for more women to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, especially in the tech real estate world, there are fewer women like the world in terms of the overall percentage. So yeah, there's still so much scope for other women to like plug in. And if not just, I guess, become active real estate investors, even to like fund their own retirement or create that passive income. It's just good to like get the knowledge and just know what to do or where to invest with your money. Oh yeah. And I'm seeing women doing amazing things. I mean, doing big deals, you know, big multifamily projects, commercial projects, um, Mm -hmm. buying hotels, you know, like doing some really awesome stuff. I think that's just like, it makes me happy to see that. Awesome. Yeah. I I share your feeling there. It's just so amazing to see other women succeed. It's like they're, they're like paving the way to inspire other women to kind of follow their dreams and do something great with their own life. Oh. Exactly. And That's- I feel like being a woman in the business for so long, like it's my responsibility to put my hand down to these other women that want to be in this place and bring them up. You know, that's, that's, I think that's the way it should be. Awesome. I love your spirit there that you're helping encourage a lot more women to pursue their dreams and you being as a role model with your own journey is just incredible. I'm going to switch gears here to your entrepreneurial journey. Like starting any business is hard, right? There's so much you have to juggle. It looks fancy. Like, oh, you have your own business. There's a lot of creativity involved. But in terms of like like the real work, strategizing, planning, marketing, getting the actual work done, there's just so much to it. How, what are the strategies you use to be productive? And uh, like when you started out, how was it versus how is it for you now when you established all the processes in place? (laughs) So getting started, it was like all over the place. I I mean, it was a mess. (laughs) It really was. I mean, and it's funny because I was a bookkeeper, right? Like I, I am fairly organized, Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it was kind of like, I just remember having like, files for everything and saving all the receipts for stuff and like just doing stupid stuff like that and um not documenting anything you know so every time you had to do something else it's like uh, how did we do that last time or what did we say or who did we call mm-hmm. um so it kind of was a slow process to get started but mm-hmm. once i realized okay like it's taking me a little time to like document all this stuff but it's much faster now. So I'd have like a binder. I I graduated to a binder finally, where everything was organized in there, you know, like here's how you set up utilities and here's how you get the insurance on the property. And here's how we um, kind of handle a rehab. And it just grew and grew and grew. And as those systems and processes grew, um, you know, after a while, when we started hiring a team, we were able to plug them into those systems and processes. So really the switch came with delegation and automation. So I, and I love automation. So, so like any tool that's going to help me do something faster, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm about it. Yeah. It's (laughs) like multiplying your energy, right? You have the tool doing it for you now. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I encourage people that are listening, if you're kind of at that point where you're like, well, I can't really, I don't have a lot of people to delegate this stuff to look at automation, mm-hmm. look and see if there are ways that you can automate some things that you're doing. If you can't really afford to hand it off to like a whole another person on your team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause those things are really helpful for me, but you got to have the systems and processes in place first. So that's probably to- your secret to being productive now. Like how yes. does your day look now? Um, you know, I don't really work that much. <laughs> you probably um, weren't enough all those all those years to be able to like, you know, do this now. And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm getting old now. Like, you know, it's I'm slowing down a little bit um in some ways, but in some ways, no. You know, I, I am working um with a tech company now with software. And that's, okay. that was a choice that I made because it's something I'm passionate about and I love doing, and it doesn't mean I'm not doing my other things. I'm still doing those mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. but having all that in place allows me to do these other things that I tackle other, you know, like, you know, I think I might want to, you know, build an ice rink or I might want to, you know, build some software. So, you know, I can do that because I've got stuff in the background that's working for me right. at the same time. Wow. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people out there, both men, women dream to be able to get there. But uh, I think the piece that you like, you know, mentioned earlier, all that hard work, the planning, the strategy, the, the systems and process takes time. So like if you have to suggest someone starting out thinking about real estate, what would be your advice? Like, you know, to create a life that where you are. Have that financial freedom, essentially, right? Financial freedom is freedom of time. And then you can do whatever you want to me with your life, whatever you're passionate about. Yeah. You know, and I always like to say, I don't really like to say financial freedom. I like to say time freedom because Mm -hmm. with that time, you can create your own financial freedom. But if you don't have the time to do any of that, like, I don't know. I think people just, it depends on what your values are. Like for me, Mm -hmm. I value my time very much. Yeah. I mean, money can be... You can get back money, make more money, but time it doesn't go in reverse direction, right? So I would value time much higher than money any day. Yeah. Me too. And you know, I feel like I used to not think that way. Maybe that's just a thing that comes with maturity and age over time. Hmm. Um, because before, yeah, I was about, you know, like we gotta make more money, we gotta make more money. And now it's just like, I want more time. I don't wanna be in a box, I don't wanna be in a cubicle, I don't wanna feel like I have to do anything. I want to be able to do the things I want to do. So in order to do that, you know, I had to build this business in a way that fits my lifestyle. And the way I did that was through coaching and mentoring. And, you know, and I don't even say that because I'm a coach myself. Like, I think everyone should get a coach or a mentor if you're going to be in this business, because Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. so much you can like you have to learn and you have to make mistakes. It's how you're going to grow. But if you have a person that's there that can support you, that can um, not give you the answers so much as help you find the right answer for you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because that's the difference between a coach and a consultant, a consultant can come in and be like, you need to do X, Y, Z, where a coach is like, well, what do you want to do? Well, let's talk about how you're going to, how you can get there. And I will tell you 18 years. I started with a mentor. I still, to this day, have coaches and mentors. Hmm. I never stopped with that. I mean, maybe there was like a brief period in time where I didn't have a coach or a mentor, but Mm -hmm. I've always had somebody there um, 
to help me with that. So no matter what level experience you're at, you can still benefit from coaching and mentoring because as you move up in different levels, you know, you have your starting level. And then as you move up mm-hmm. into different, you know, maybe it's different strategies or something or different. Um, like for me, I branched out into coaching. And so I hired a, a coach to coach me in my coaching business. Okay. Okay. You know, stuff like that. So whatever you're doing, if you've got that person there to help you, it really makes a difference. Helps you go a lot further, quicker. Got it. Very interesting. Oh, making learning like a lifelong process essentially. And, you know, finding coaches who can navigate you in that right path I suppose did I get that right like the I'm trying to summarize yeah. that all takeaway in my head and it doesn't even have to be like and I feel like people get this have this image of coaches like oh it's a guru and you know I'm going to pay him like a ton of money and all this stuff there's a lot of different types of coaches out there so find the one that works best for you you know if you don't you know, it's gotta be the right person, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, and if you don't like what somebody's saying, or if they're not actively doing what you want to do, they Mm -hmm. might not be a good fit for you. So make sure it's a right fit and ask around, you know, find people that, I mean, there might be people that are just willing to answer your questions in a Facebook group somewhere that might not cost you anything. I mean, I always encourage the Mm -hmm. reciprocation. So, you know, if you're not, if you can't afford to pay someone, what can you do for that person that will help them? How can you be of service to that mentor? So that's another way. If you can't afford a coach or a mentor, like, Hey, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. let me go mow the yards at your properties for you. Or let me go put out some signs for you. Or do you want me to co- do some cold calling for you? Or can I, you know, like, what can you do? What strengths or, or gifts do you have that can be used. Yeah, that's such an incredible idea. I mean, honestly, I've never thought about it, but it's not like adding value to someone else while they are helping you get what you want in return, I suppose, right? You need to add value to someone. And exactly. I guess going back to how you started, it looks like when you were doing the flips for the tit for tat model you mentioned, that's kind of what you did, right? I suppose mm-hmm. maybe that program was too expensive or so you just had to work hard and give your mentor the notes, like every alternate note. Yeah. Cause he didn't have like a coaching program. He wasn't a guru. He was like a very low key person that just happened to have like a ton of real estate okay, in San Antonio. Okay. So it like, he's not out there at all. He's not on social. He like, he's very under the radar Got and it. that's how he chooses to operate. And I respect that. Hmm. Um, yeah, but there's, there's a lot of those type of people out there if you can find them. Yeah. Especially in the real estate world, I've noticed like you can just run into someone like that at a networking event or they're just low key, but they have so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's surprising to me sometimes what these people are doing. It's like, you look like a hobo, but you're like, you're like a multimillionaire. Right. So on that note, uh, who have, who, who have been the most inspirational uh, people in this path for you? Um, Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. (laughs) Okay. Um, man. Did you like look at, I mean, you did mention one person of, I think your, your husband's, uh, family. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, you said you wanted a life like them. Was that the, like, you know, someone you think is the most inspirational? I I mean, I I think they were not your mentor or anything, right? But no, I mean, I think his lifestyle was inspiring for me. Mm. I don't know that I 
would consider him like as a okay. person, like so inspiring for me. But I, I think it's it wouldn't be anybody specifically in the space. Like I think I'm just inspired really by anybody that is like getting out there and getting stuff done. Mm, awesome. You know, and it's just like it, it's not so much the person, it's it's what they're doing. What they accomplish. Yeah, yes, yeah. It could be, yeah, that's so true. Actually, on a on a generic sense, like it could be anyone, even if you don't know them. It's that energy of them like going above and beyond to get what they want. I think that's just it's it's got a, a very high charm. Like, you know, even I I personally feel like anyone, even if I don't know them, if they're able to go after their goals and exceed all kinds of or bad events or you know, whatever that happens and just go go for that achieving that, it's just so inspiring. It's just really it is. Inspiring. It is. And yeah. I think that's why I can't think of a specific person, but you know, there is there are people that I I like no on Facebook, you know, that I followed for, for a while. And uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, I have to find a lot of inspiring women there. Makes sense. Awesome. Uh, moving on, like what books would you recommend to my listeners uh, for just their overall growth mindset, education? Are there any books Ooh. that you would recommend? That's a good question. I love books. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Then this is the right question. We need to, yeah, this is a good know. Question. I have a lot of books, um, but some recently um, that have really been powerful for me was um, uh, Code of the Extraordinary Mind by mm-hmm. Vincent Lecchiani, Lecchiani, the Mind Valley guy. That book was pivotal for me, especially going like before my divorce and going through it. Like it was like, game-changing just for my mindset and realizing like society places a lot of rules on us that are just society rules. They're not like, it's just something that we feel like we have to conform to, but like, why do we really have to? So it it was a book that really made me question a lot of things. So I really like that. Um, Everything is figureoutable. Hmm. It's an amazing book. I like the title already. (laughs) Oh yeah. I have gifted that book so many times. Every time I talk to a woman, they're like, oh, I haven't read that. I'm like, hold on. I'm going to send you that book because you need to. (laughs) It's so good. Um, Those were two big ones. Also, um, I love The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. Okay. Great book for mindset and mainly for building like your company's culture and vision and mission. Um, It it was just really, really, um, really inspiring for me to learn more about that. And I just love the way he writes. It's like, it's like traction. So if anyone's read traction, I always say it's the softer side of traction because okay. traction is more like, these are your rocks and you know, all this like mm-hmm, technical mm-hmm. stuff. And then the advantage is more of like, let's talk about your company. Let's talk about the culture. Let's talk about your values. Let's talk about how you're speaking to your customers. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Those are all really good books. And then um, what's another one. Oh, Atomic Habits. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, I read that. Oh my gosh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really great. I read that for a book club and it was good. So those are just a couple. I mean, I could probably come up with a whole massive list. (laughs) Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. Uh, Finally, like my show, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but it's focused mostly on financial freedom and being your own boss. Essentially, my goal with that, that phrase be your own boss was mostly to not let money be your boss and also for entrepreneurs who want to work for themselves. So what do those two terms mean for you, financial freedom and be your own boss? So financial freedom, um, 
I just keep thinking of the time freedom thing, like Mm. financially free, you know, I understand that concept, but, um, again, I'm just more, I feel like I'm more focused on the time and maybe, maybe I didn't say it right before. Maybe it is that the financial freedom is what gives me the time for, I think they go hand in hand. I think it's just how you use it. Like you can create yourself financial freedom, but you might not take the time you know, you might just keep staying in that spot where I'm just like, I'm building and I'm doing that. Yeah. 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 Now I'm financially free and now I'm going to enjoy that time, you know, but I think with the be your own boss, it's really just about having the power to decide what we want to do that nobody can tell us, you know, that, well, you need to do this and you need, you know, like you need to build your business this way and you need to be like this in this box, you know, mm-hmm. like me, like I felt like I was putting myself in a box. I was just thinking about this this morning. I felt like I always say like, I hate being in a box. And then I realized this morning, actually, that I kind of put myself in a box by um, really just being known as like a flipper and a rehabber. And I feel like that's, that got to be such a big part of my identity. Hmm. And when I realized that it didn't have to be that way, that like, yeah, I have ADHD and I have like a maverick profile and I'm all over the place and I want to build things and start things and create things. And that's okay. It's okay for me to do that. And so being my own boss means that I can't, I have the freedom and the flexibility to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think uh, just adding to that, uh, when you're own, when you are your own boss and you don't have to like take orders from anyone, you're doing stuff or things in your life that truly matter to you you're also bringing your best version because now it's just you like you are calling the shot Mm -hmm. so it's what you want and there is like a different mindset and energy that goes into it right when you you're doing stuff that truly matters to you what else can be better than that so I I personally feel when people are their own boss they bring their best version to the table like they're truly doing what they so just my thoughts there. I agree. There and it's really living in your purpose, right? Yeah. That was the word I was looking for. Cause I feel like once I made that shift, once I realized like, you know yeah. what, like I am this way. And if I just am okay with that and I lean into that instead yeah. of like leaning away from it, which I was doing for a really long time was just kind of like, Oh, I can't, you know, that, that people will think I'm flaky or whatever, you know? And it's like, I'm not, this is how I'm wired and it's okay. And if I lean into that, mm-hmm. it was crazy how everything shifted. My mindset shifted. Opportunities started coming to me like very easily. Like everything, when you're living in your purpose, everything yeah. becomes clear. So true. It's like you're in the flow state. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think it takes time to figure out your purpose and to get there. But when that happens, I've also noticed like you're in a flow state. So problems are not really they don't really appear as problems. You'll just handle them and get through them. You know, it's just such a different mindset that comes with it. Well, is there anything else that you want to share with my listeners today? Um, I've enjoyed the time and I hope that they learn something. And um, if anybody wants to reach out or know more about me, you can go to my website, themelissajohnson.com. Um, all my social handles are there. I have a lot of free content on YouTube and Instagram. Um, the coaching stuff is on there a little about me page. So you can listen to other podcasts that I've been on. Um, 
stuff like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Wish everyone well on their journey. Thank you. We will have information about your website on our podcast notes. Uh, Thank you so much for being my guest today. I love chatting with you as usual. Uh, It was great having you. Thank you. Folks, if you love this episode, please do subscribe and leave us a review and let me know what your takeaway was. So until next time, stay safe. You've been listening to The Real Path to BYOB. Be your own boss. The 9 to 5. Busting your hump for someone else. Barely scraping by. With this show, that ends. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope we've helped inspire and give you strategies to maximize your passive wealth through real estate. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime... Hook up with us on Instagram at Silicon Hills Capital Group and sign up on our webpage at SiliconHillsCapitalGroup.com to be notified about upcoming webinars and get a copy of the monthly newsletter. You're on track with the real path to BYOB. Be your own boss.